Sometime in the near future, when we least expect it, they will come. Five million years to Earth. Cities will burn. Mankind will panic. Our world will tremble. When it occurs, you will see men turned killers by mysterious power. I wanted to kill you. Why? Because you are different. Women will be defiled by the invaders from outer space. It's Barbara. She's the one. It could happen in your lifetime. See five million years to Earth before it's too late. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the futures of war. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi streak flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reach Cole, and you're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is episode 749 for Sunday, November 17th, 2019. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is a sci-fi cult film from the UK. It's Quatermast and the Pit, aka Five Million Years to Earth, starring James Donald, Andrew Kerr, Barbara Shelley, and Julian Glover. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you Another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Quatermass and the Pit, a.k.a. Five Million Years to Earth. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we'll get into today's movie. they running from? What have they seen? Whom do they fear? There are five million answers to these questions, and every one of them is a shocker. No, sorry. I saw it. Terror, five million years old, spills into our time to make two worlds collide. 
what is happening here and now can affect the next five million years. It was what I was afraid of. The thing got a huge intake of energy. The very substance of it seemed to be coming alive. And you can't see this world any longer. They feel it. They see it. The archaeologist who digs back into the past to unearth more horror than the human mind can bear. Quatermass, the scientist, who comes face to face with five million years of terror. Rony, it's Barbara. She's the one. Get down here, quick. She can see into the pit and knows the terrifying truth. He can see into the pit, but he will not believe what he sees. They were coming. Who? What were? Them. Them. He saw the creatures. They were alive. Alive? You descend into the pit of hell as you share their horror. Listen, I'm advising you all to leave. There may be grave danger. I tell you, this could be dangerous. Get back. Get back. Quatermast in the Pit, a.k.a. Five Million Years to Earth, is a British science fiction horror movie directed by Roy Ward Baker and produced by Anthony Nelson Keyes. The screenplay was written by Nigel Neal. Quatermass in the Pit is the third movie in the Quatermass trilogy. The first two movies in the trilogy are The Quatermass Experiment from 1955 and Quatermass 2 from 1957. Quatermass in the Pit was based on the 1958 BBC serial of the same name. It was produced by Hammer Film Productions and was released on November 9th, 1967 in the United Kingdom and February 16th, 1968 in the United States. Quatermass in the Pit has a running time of 97 minutes. And here's the cast starting at the top. James Donald. He was Dr. Matthew Roney. He's best known for playing uh, Theo Van Gogh in the film Lust for Life before going on to play in a string of World War II prisoner of war movies. If you've seen The Bridge Over the River Kwai, The Great Escape, and The King Rat, he's in those movies. Next up, uh, Andrew Kerr. He was Professor Bernard, as they say in England, uh, quartermass, and he was in several Hammer productions like the Pirates of Blood River, uh, Dracula, Blood, uh, Prince of Darkness, The Viking Queen, and The Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. He's best known for his role in today's movie as Professor Bernard Quartermass. Uh, next up, Barbara Shelley. She was Barbara Judd in today's movie. She was the first lady of Hammer Horror. Uh, she was at her busiest in the late 1950s and early 1960s. She, she starred in Hammer films like The Blood of the Vampire, Village of the Damned, The Secret of Blood Island, The Gorgon, and many other movies. Last but not least, Julian Glover. He was Colonel Breen in today's movie. He's well known for playing major characters in many popular movie and TV franchises. Some of his film roles include uh, General Maximilian Veers in The Empire Strikes Back. 
Um, Anastol Christ- Christatos. He's in the James Bond movie For Your Eyes Only. And he played Walter Donovan in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusades. He even had a reoccurring role in HBO's Game of Thrones as Grandmeister Peisel. Matter of fact, I just watched him in an episode of Space 1999 like two or three days ago. It was the episode, first season episode called Alpha Child. That's all I have for movie information. Let's get into today's movie. While I was looking on the Internet earlier today, I wanted to pick up a, a, a synopsis for today's movie. So here it is. And here we go. OK, while digging an, an extension in the London Underground, construction workers come across skeletal remains. The construction is halted and a paleontologist, Dr. Matthew Roney, and his team take over. Soon after, they find a metal object that they think might be an unexploded bomb from World War II. But actually, it turns out to be an alien spaceship of some kind. Roney's assistant, Barbara Judd, and Professor Bernard Cratermast, a rocket scientist who does experimental work for the Ministry of Defense, discovers that much of the housing around the site has been abandoned by its inhabitants for 40 years because of strange noises and what they believe to be ghosts. Inside the spaceship, they find the remnants of insect-like uh, creatures, all dead now. The, uh, in disturbing the craft, however, they release an invisible force of immense power. So that's basically the movie in a nutshell. So I've got some clips I want to share with you from the movie. And the first clip I want to share with you is of Dr. Quatermass when he meets his military counterpart for the first time. His name is Colonel Breen, and they meet in the office of the Ministry of Defense. What is there to argue about? The purpose is quite clear. Colonel Breen, my rocket group has been intended all along for peaceful scientific research. Professor Quatermass, your rocket group? Yes, mine. I brought the whole thing into being. But it is, after all, a government project. And now the government has had a change of policy. Change of policy. You're going to take it over and pervert it to this, this... Listen, within ten years there will be permanent bases on the moon, perhaps even on Mars. Military bases. Of course. The present world situation makes that quite clear. Whoever plants them first will be able to police the Earth with ballistic missiles. So we must be in the race. Well, of course. The ultimate weapon. It always is. Gentlemen, don't you see? We are on the edge of a new dimension of discovery. It's a great chance to leave our vices behind. War, first of all. Not to go out there dragging our hatreds and our frontiers along with us. Frankly, I'm surprised and disturbed to hear such naive views still being put Naive? You lost touch with humanity. You've been shut away too long in this ivory fortress of yours. That's your trouble. Well, he'll be out of it soon. Colonel Green is joining you at the rocket group. What? At the end of the week. I think you'll agree that someone with experience of military rockets, missiles, will be of considerable value. I'll fight this right at top level. I shouldn't. It came from there. It'll work out for the good of the group. And now, gentlemen, if you'll both excuse me, I have another meeting. Nose to the grindstone. I won't resign, if that's what you want. Of course not. I'm sure we'll get along quite well. 
Why not have dinner with me? My club? Come. I can't possibly. Who's this from? Oh, I see. Do you ever find your early career catching up with you? I never had a career. Only work. What was yours? Enemy missiles. Do you mind stopping up on the way for a couple of minutes? So the next clip I'm going to play is after Professor Quartermass and Colonel Brain go to the uh, Hobbs Inn uh, railway station, subway station, and check out the um, the skeletal remains. And then they find the metal patch where they think this it's an unexploded bomb. But after that, uh, Professor Quartermass goes to see Dr. Roney because he's examining the uh, remains and Quartermass wants to know where they come from. Business as usual. No matter what happens at Hobbs End. Electronics. We don't just dig with Charles, you know, not all the time. Would you like some coffee? Thanks. You had a cup, Mr. Johnson? Yes, I have. Don't nod. Mr. Johnson's kindly obliging us for some tests. You see, some of his skull dimensions happen to match those of our friend here, who died in the Second Ice Age. I'm real primitive. <laughs> we all are, Mr. Johnson. Now, are you ready for another run? Yes, sir. Right. The quarter on. Oh, Mr. Johnson, proceed, Miss Puzzle, there. That hookup, something special? It can locate the minutest areas of the brain. We take readings and analyze them in the computer here. We're gradually building up a picture of what that Ice Age man might have been able to think and do. Their only analysis. I like it. I'm hoping to apply it next to the Hobbs End skulls. Of course, they're so much older, they'll have even fewer points of resemblance to, uh, well, to Mr. Johnson. But we hope enough to... Roney, were they of this earth? Ah, I see. That's what brought you here. Were they? I'm sorry to disappoint, but the answer's only yes, they were. They were earthly creatures as much as you or I. They were our remote ancestors, but they themselves had ancestors going back as far as... 30 million years. Well, how can you be sure? They fit into the known pattern of evolution. The only odd thing about them is the great size of the skull. I've got it all charted uh, somewhere. Where the devil does she keep everything? You're Miss Judd? Yes, I told her to take the day off and get some rest. Well, I must be getting along. To Hobbs End? Yes. Look, I can't seem to lay my hands on it at the moment. I'll show you next time what it's worth. Next time, I'll have a lot more questions. Yes, they're piling up, aren't they? Are you coming? I've been told to keep out of it. Your colleague doesn't like my face. Colleague? Your Colonel Breen. Oh. Anyway, it's mutual. I'm sorry, Quatermass. He's a type I loathe on sight. Full marks, Dr. Runney. Now, it's a long story. I'll tell you sometime. So Professor Quartermass goes back to Hobbs Lane and Colonel Bren's men have cleaned the area up and you can see that it's not an exploded bomb. It's a spaceship and they've cleaned it up and they've, they found a, uh, an opening and they've cleaned it out. And while one of the soldiers was in there moving a pump and some um, hoses, he sees uh, some ghastly figure. And that's my next clip. Resistant to heat of 3000 degrees. Harder than diamond. That's the material every rocket engineer's been looking for. 
are you trying to say? That the Germans didn't make this and then lose the secret. You ask von Braun. But if I can get through that bulkhead, I won't need Try Borazon. It's a lot harder than diamond. Can you get hold of a Borazon drill? Would mean getting hold of a civilian operator. <laughs> tucked underneath its arm. Oh, shut up. I, I did see something, sir. I did, honest. It, it was little. The figure was small, like a hideous dwarf. Yeah, that's it. Here, what made you say that, miss? How did you know? It's all right. Here. Get him away from here. He'd better go sick. Yes, I'll write a note to the M.O. Captain Butler, you'd better not talk to the other men. So my next clip is back at Dr. Roney's lab and Professor Quartermass and Dr. Roney are discussing the insects that they found inside of the spaceship. Do you classify them as insects? Arthropods. Nice general term covered all the crabs and spiders too. Except that no earthly ones ever had that tripod leg arrangement. The horned demons and those old prints. Roney, this image... Pretty. It's like a gargoyle. I mean, in fact, haven't you seen it carved in walls in a dozen countries? Is it in the depths of all our minds? A race memory. Got it. Look at this. A cave painting of 30,000 years ago, man in a ritual mask. I wonder where he dreamed up the idea of that. You know, I think these are old friends we haven't seen for a time. Weight and structure point to low gravity environment. A thin atmosphere. Perhaps a world that's dead now, but a few million years ago could have been teeming with life. I wonder. A name has been nearly worn out before anything turned up to claim it. Was this really a Martian? My next clip is of Professor Quartermass and Colonel Breen, and they're inside the spaceship and they're arguing. And it's really funny because Quartermass is telling them this is a spaceship and they could do this. And Colonel Breen is not hearing it. It's a Nazi bomb. And so here's the clip. These shapes seem to suggest some kind of apparatus, instruments. Your imagination is running wild. Is it yours? What? They don't seem to lead through anywhere. 
If there were once any external propulsion units, I don't see how they were controlled. Unless... Unless the missile itself did some of the thinking. You're mad. This substance isn't inert. Far from it. We know that. Don't tell me what I know. There's been enough nonsense talked about this... this thing. Dead for millions of years. I know the smell of death, believe me, and how short a time it lasts. You got an explanation for all this? Yes, I have. Well, why not share it? When I choose. So Professor Quatermass and Dr. Roney release pictures of the creatures in the spaceship to the press. So the press is just all over the place trying to get in. So it gets back to the Minister of Defense who calls Quatermass to his office. So that's my next clip. Professor Quatermass, the minister's waiting. He's not pleased. Good afternoon, sir. Professor, what you've done appalls me. It's the PM's private secretary. Sorry, it's still not available. Try again in 20 minutes. Now it's the PM. And the home office badgering about cordons and special police action. Kill that thing. Sorry, the minister's not available. Now, before they pull a special cabinet meeting on me, I should like to have just a few answers ready. How much do you know? Something from Colonel Breen and... What I've read in these. Why did you do it? People wanted to know. So you talked? Without authority or consultation? Whose authority? This department's. It didn't seem to me to concern the Ministry of Defense. We'll see about that. Ah. Astounding implications. Cut that off. No more calls till further notice. What did you mean by that? Dr. Roney and I are satisfied that these arthropods are not of this earth. So I gathered. You've been busy hinting at Mars. Mars is dead. Nothing there but a few scraps of lichen. Five million years ago it may have been very different. Suppose at that time there were living beings on it with techniques that enable them to visit the Earth at a time when the most highly evolved creatures here, our ancestors, were only a type of Pliocene ape. Go on. They may have wanted to find another colony when their own world was doomed, but couldn't endure our atmosphere. So they experimented. Experimented? The man-apes found beside the missile were abnormal. And the insects were responsible. There's clearly some connection. My guess is that those were ape mutations being brought back for release on Earth. And you really believe that this was possible? That apes were systematically taken from this planet to another and altered? By selective breeding, atomic surgery, methods we can't guess. And returned with new faculties instilled in them. High intelligence. Perhaps something else. In effect, a colonization. It'd be a way of possessing the Earth. Only a colony by proxy, but better than leaving nothing at all behind. Surely. It had to be carried out on a huge scale. Yes, if I'm right. If I'm right. We've just come on a single instance 
Probably an accident, a landing that went wrong, and we all died. The Thames Valley was swamp then. You realize what you're implying? That we owe our human condition here to the intervention of insects. I suppose I am. So that's your great theory. And for that we've had all this strutter and alarm and... Well, at least we can let the Home Secretary off his beat now. Get him? Yes. I wanted to hear you first. Ministry of Defence here, Howell speaking. Bring me the Home Secretary. Tell him. Tell him. I told you I had an explanation. The Germans in 1944. Oh, Breen, you can't still be hanging on to that. Professor Quatermass, you are an expert in certain fields, I in others. One of my specializations is weapons and another military propaganda, so kindly allow me my opinion without interrupting. I think that when the Germans were losing the war, they tried a propaganda scare. They sent over an experimental V-weapon in order to produce exactly the effect it has produced. Thanks to your help, though a little late for their purpose. And what about the arthropods? Fakes. Put there as a circumstantial touch, like... Oh, Fairground mermaids made up of old scraps of skin and bone. Still just tricking the business. Hello, John. No, sir, wait. You must hear expert testimony. I have. Is that missile safe? Thoroughly checked. No danger to the public? None, I am certain. Hello, John. I'm sorry you've been led to dance. It's all over now. Professor Quintermas and Barbara are called to a church where a pastor has uh, found the, uh, the operator of the drill from the uh the the work site and he believes that the worker has been chased by demons and that's my next clip professor quitterman he's in here Sons, I asked Mr. Edwards, the choir master, to go and to dismiss the choir. I knew I must stay alone with this man. I felt sure he'd been in contact with spiritual evil. I'll have to question him. Perhaps tomorrow. No, there may be danger in waiting to others. Mr. Ladden, can you say what happened? Tonight in the excavation. You remember being there. Well, you stayed to dismantle some equipment. You were hurt by something flying through the air. Do you remember objects doing that? Moving by themselves? No! I had to run to get away. They were coming. Who? What were? Them. Them! No more, please! I remember it started, and then I could only see them, like you found down there, with the eyes and horns, and... You saw the creatures. They were alive. Alive? Helping, like they fast, and hundreds and hundreds. And I knew I was one. 
How did they move? Jumping, leaping. Let him alone. Where? In and out. Them big places. In and out of them. Oh, huge. Right up into the sky. The sky. What color is it? Blue? No. Dark. Dark. Purple. Perhaps it was always in him. What do you mean? In all of us. An inheritance of dormant faculties. Clairvoyance. Telekinesis. Scientific terms? To explain it all away? On the contrary, I agree with you. What's been uncovered is evil. As ancient or diabolic as anything on record. I think what he gave us just now was a vision of life on Mars five million years ago. That and the unconscious ability to cause movement. They're old powers that can be awakened somehow by the thing in the pit. So Dr. Quatermass has an idea. So he goes down to back to Dr. Roney's lab and gets his equipment and wants Dr. Roney and his staff to meet him at the spaceship because he's going to try to replicate what the drill operator was doing to get the reaction that he got. And then he's going to put this helmet on and going to try to record what he sees. So he goes down there and it's not working for him, but Barbara's there and it's working on Barbara. So they put the helmet on Barbara and they can see the, the Martian landscape with the, the uh, locust hopping around and everything. So the next thing they do is they take this recording and they want to show it to the minister of defense so he can see what's going on. And that is my next clip. Most curious. Those were like the creatures you found. The same. You saw that they were killing and being killed. I think we may have witnessed ritual slaughter to preserve a fixed society. To rid it of mutations. Good heavens. That's the way they lived. And it's the way they intended their substitutes on Earth to live. Not again. My concern is, sir, that this stored memory of killing should be coupled with another power that thing in the pit seems to possess. The power to redirect human energy. A power to... Into force beyond control. Nonsense. Well, we've all felt it. You have yourself. A few vibration effects. Come, gentlemen, there's no need for this. We're looking for... Rational explanations, and that is one. This uh, truly remarkable apparatus of yours was surely set to detect, was it not, hallucinations? Hallucinations. Oh, no, it's exactly. not. All right, let's call it mental image. Now, this young lady certainly has an imagination, and she's overwrought. She's seen the creatures that Colonel Breen insists are fake. So what can be more natural no, than... No, sir, you mustn't dismiss it like that. You prefer that I dismiss Colonel Breen's theory? But if you'd been there, if you'd witnessed it all... Professor Quatermass, I don't believe that you're right in this matter. You are ridiculously wrong. You're going to admit people to the excavation? Yes, tonight. 
The press, radio, and television. No, sir, you must not. My duty now is to quieten public alarm. And you, up till now, a government officer with the same duty, you keep your damn paws out of things. So there's the big news event at Hobbs Landing, and they're letting the press in to look at the spaceship and everything. And a man is killed. They're trying to hook up lights inside the spaceship, and somehow it arcs, it kills them, and that's when the spaceship comes to life. So the people panic and run around like crazy maniacs, and that's when the uh, spaceship has gotten enough power that it can start controlling large groups of people, and they start prowling the streets. And that's when we find um, Dr. Roney. He's in the streets, and he pulls... Uh, Professor Quartermass to the side and saves him from the mob. And that's my next clip. Ronnie. That's better. Go on, sit down. Yes. No way to serve decent whiskey, but we're a bit low on glasses. Now get that inside you. You stopped me? That's right, I stopped you. You were being carried along, so I thought I'd better. Were they? People. What? Of course they were. Don't you feel it? Feel what? Here, anything? No. Perhaps some are immune. Some few. Fine. I was just leaving the institute. I had shouting in the distance. It was what I was afraid of. The thing got a huge intake of energy. The very substance of it seemed to be coming alive. And then... You can't see this world any longer. It's like that now? No. Not so bad now. The spaceship has gotten so much energy that it's able to project uh, an image of the the locus above London. And that's helping project more control over more people. So Dr. Roney and Professor Quartermass figured out a way to destroy it. And as they're trying to destroy it, Barbara, who's been taken over by the spacecraft, is now using her powers to try to stop them. And this is my last clip. It's the devil. The horned devil. Don't look at it. Over there. into energy. The focus of all that's happening. The cause. Oh, God. God. What can we do? Rudy, what can we do? Mass into energy. A fundamental law. It must be. What? The devil's enemy was iron. It might make sense if it were possible to project a mass of metal into it, connected to the ground. Discharge it to the earth? Yes. It's too simple. But it's what they never allow for. Even that scrap of knowledge in minds that were free to use it. 
So Dr. Roney, he climbs that construction crane all the way to the top and goes all the way out to the end. And then the ground around the base breaks and he just rides it right into that projection of the Martian, destroying it. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. When Professor Quartermass is picking at the eyeball of the dead Martian creature in Dr. Roney's laboratory, the pupils of the compact compound eye are re- are rectangular slits rather than round slits like a human eye. And this is reminiscent of a goat's eye, a creature that for centuries has been associated with witchcraft and sorcery. Of the three Hammer Quartermass movies, this is the only one which cre- uh, Quartermass creator Nigel Neal personally liked. This is largely due to the fact that he was much happier with Andrew Kerr's performance as the title character than that of Brian Dunleavy in the Quartermass Experience in Quartermass 2. He describes uh, Dunleavy as a former Hollywood gone to seed. Claimed that he was drunk during much of the last shooting of the shooting of the latter movie. Um, Anthony Quayle was considered for the role of Professor Bernard uh, Quartermass after um, before Andrew Kerr was cast. I would like to see that. I I could see Anthony Quayle in this part. Um, Andre Morel was asked to reprise his role as Professor Bernard Quartermass from the uh, BBC serial Quartermass in the Pit, but he declined. Um, director Val Guest was also asked to direct the movie. Uh, he directed Quartermass Experiment in the Quartermass 2. They asked him and he said, now nah, I got other commitments. And that's pretty much all I could find on trivia. Um, so now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan. And I try to find a Star Trek connection in every TV show or movie I watch. I'm afraid to say I could not find a Star Trek connection in today's movie. So let's get right into my comments about today's movie. I watched the 1998 DVD release from Anchor Bay Entertainment. The picture and sound quality on this DVD are excellent. I was really surprised. Um, it comes with a lot of uh, bonus features. It comes with an audio commentary by the director, Roy Ward Baker, and the screenwriter, Nigel Neal. It comes with a 25-minute feature about Hammer production sci-fi movies. And it also comes with the U.S. and U.K. trailers and U.S. TV commercials. Uh, I first saw this movie when I was 10 or 11 years old. It was on Nightmare Theater. And if those of that don't know, on the West Coast, we uh, we have our we had our sci fi horror host on the weekends. And that was The Count. And he was on Nightmare Theater. And I saw this movie at probably 1973, 1974. And it was named Five Million Years to Earth because it was in the U.S. This movie scared me to death when I was that age, because those of us of a certain age will remember that. The early to mid 1970s was the domain of the devil. You had the exorcist. You had the car. You had the devil's triangle. And then there was Carrie and all that stuff. And it was just devil everywhere. So as a 10 year old kid watching this, man, it was hard to go to sleep some nights thinking about this. But um, other than that, 
it was it's a good movie. Check it out. It's not bad at all. So but the cast, I think the cast did an excellent job. Uh, James Donald, he did really good. He got top billing um, over uh, uh, what's his name? Andrew Keir. I always get his name mixed up, but he got top billing. And I just remember him from all the POW movies, you know, because he's in, like I said earlier, Bridge Over the River Kwai, The Great Escape, King Rat. So I always remember him from those movies. Um, Andrew Kerr, he's my favorite quartermass. There were some remakes. There was a re uh, a re remake done in 1979 with Sir John Mills. I haven't seen that one. And then there's one made in 2005 with Jason Fleming. I, I don't want to see that one. I'm just not interested in seeing it. Um, Barbara Shelley, the scream queen herself. She did a great job in this movie. Um, uh, I've seen her in a bunch of other hammer productions, but she did good. Um, Julian Glover. I like him. The only thing that bothered me about his character in today's movie was everything was because of the Nazis. Well, the Nazis did it. Well, that the, the Nazis made that spaceship and put fake aliens in it because it was the Nazis. Or this is the Nazis. It's like, oh, you can't blame the Nazis for everything. You're in a spaceship that you've just seen locust people that were flying the spaceship. How could you deny that? The Nazis didn't make that. I like the point, the little point when uh, Quartermass said, so the Nazis made this and then they forgot it? So, yeah. But it's it's they did a great job. The story, I really like the story. When I was a kid, like I said, I was just like, it's the devil. But as you know, watching it as an adult and looking at the, the main story and then there's sub stories and subplots and you just go, wow, that's really well done. It's construction workers find a skull and then they find this metallic object. And then they call the bomb squad in and the bomb squad thinks it's a bomb and then they clear it out. and It's not. It's a spaceship. And these apes were picked up by these Martian grasshoppers that took them to Mars, did some experiments on them and brought them back to Earth to repopulate the Earth with their colony. And it's like that, you know, as a kid, I didn't think about it, but it's like, that's a pretty good story. I mean, with all that stuff in it. And then they they have genetic manipulation and then they have eugenics where they get more well if they're different they've got to be destroyed and then the tv for your brain so you can watch people's dreams and stuff that was that was pretty cool um the one thing i thought that they did they crammed a lot of this into 97 minutes because the um the miniseries from 1958 it's six 30 minute episodes so it's three hours long so this is half as long so the movie goes by pretty quick I've heard some people say that the movie goes pretty slow, but it's like, no, dude, it's 97 minutes. That movie is cooking. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching this movie, rewatching this movie for the podcast. Um, it's a fun movie. I, I mean, I would recommend this to all science fiction fans. It's a must see, in my opinion. On a scale from one to ten, I'm giving this movie a solid eight. And those are my comments about Quartermass and the Pit. AKA five million years to earth. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico again for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Rico will be back next week with a podcast on the deep space nine episode valiant. 
I'll end today's podcast with some music from the opening credits of today's movie. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, this is M5 signing off.